0: Hi, this is Kate Luzio, founder and CEO of Luminary, New York's premier collaboration space for women who are passionate about professional development and expanding their networks. Welcome to Come Sit at Our Table, our Be A Luminary podcast. During our podcast, we'll speak to luminous leaders, exploring how they're inviting others to their table and exemplifying luminary behavior in their personal and professional lives. We welcome you to listen and come sit at our table. Hi, and welcome to Come Sit at Our Table, the Be Illuminary podcast. I am here with Cindy Gallup, founder and CEO of Make Love, Not Porn, and Dr. Nicola Nice, founder and CEO of Pomp and Whimsy. Welcome, ladies. Good Thank
1: you. It's thrilled to be
0: here. <laughs> it's very exciting. We haven't had two at a time, so this okay. is great, and two very different women in very different backgrounds. So before we get into some of the questions, I really love to ask... Any of our guests, whether they're here in person or on the phone, give me your story. Tell a little bit of personal so our listeners can hear who you are, what you're doing, and what you're about. So, Cindy, can we start with you?
2: Um, well, actually, I would like to start with the thing that Nicola and I have in common. Amazing. it's a very fundamental part of both our stories, mm-hmm. and it's how we actually met. Which okay. Which we actually both went to the same Oxford College, Somerville. Um, And I obviously went there considerably longer ago than than, I (laughs) year I did. Um, But, but, you know, I think um, it's interesting that we we met through an alumni event Mm -hmm. um, at which Nicola had created a special pomp and whimsy cocktail called the Summervillian so I drank nine and, <laughs> and you know that was it really I went oh my god this stuff is delicious yes um, but, um, but but the key thing is that we're both entrepreneurs and Somerville um, is one of the very small number of women's colleges at Oxford that were founded back in the late 19th century when women were not allowed to study at Oxford oh and wow. in fact even when the colleges were founded for many years women weren't allowed to graduate from Oxford officially either and so that pioneering spirit of bringing Breaking down barriers for women, you know, back in 1879 when Somerville was founded. Right. Has really imbued itself in the college culture. And I think, you know, that's why, I mean, both Nicola and I have very fond memories of our time at Somerville. Came together because of Somerville, are still very engaged and involved with Somerville and, and, and have that in common. I actually wrote um, Somerville's um, tagline, if you want to change the world, come to Somerville. Mm-hmm. Really? And hopefully in our own yeah. ways we are both doing that.
0: That's amazing. That's an incredible, again, small world connection. Right. Um, But I have a question. As someone who considers myself uh, an Anglophile, I lived in London for seven years in my former life. What do the Brits think of your gin?
1: Oh, that's a good question actually. (coughs) So the gin market is very different in the UK than it is in the US. So um, it's been exploding for some time. Um, There's still nothing like Pomp and Whimsy, though. There must be hundreds, if not thousands, of gins now and gin distilleries in the UK, and there is still nothing anywhere
0: in the world, as far as I can tell, that tastes (coughs) anything like Pomp and Whimsy. So... As a non-gin drinker, and I know we're going to get into this, when I first tasted Pomp, when we first met, it was 11 o'clock in the morning. Right. <laughs> and <timing>. <laughs> Nicola <laughs> brings it to, to Luminary, and I'm thinking, okay, does she want me to do a tasting? And it was phenomenal. It is a phenomenal liqueur, um, and again, we'll get into that. But I just had to ask, and I knew I was going to forget, what yeah. did the Brits think as someone who, again, spent a long time there. But let's go back. Um, we now know your connection and how you guys came together. And we'll talk a little bit about your story together because it it goes way beyond that now. Um, But Cindy, tell for people, obviously people know you and you're such a powerful voice in the advertising world and what you're doing now uh, for women. But can you tell a little bit about your story and what got you to where you are now?
2: Sure. Um, So um, I'm half English and half Chinese um, my father is English, my mother is Chinese. Mm-hmm. I was born in the UK, but when I was six, we moved to Brunei in Borneo. And so I grew up in Brunei, which I always have to explain is a lot more boring than it sounds. <laughs> and, um, and, and I think it's worth mentioning that as the child of a mixed marriage, at a time when mixed marriages were not common, um, I encountered a fair amount of racism um, in my youth, um, especially growing up in Asia. To the English, I wasn't English. To the Chinese, I wasn't Chinese. Right. And. You know, that, that undoubtedly has shaped um, how much I, I champion diversity in all its forms um, today. Um, but I basically came back to the UK to boarding school and then to university, to Oxford. Um, I fell madly in love with theatre at Oxford. It has a very thriving student mm-hmm. drama scene. I was president of the Somerville Drama Society. I wrote, acted, directed, stage managed and decided I wanted to work in theatre. And so I became a theatre publicity and marketing manager in several theatres in the UK. But um, the bloom wore off the rose um, eventually because I got really fed up with working 24-7 and earning chicken feed, which (laughs) is what happens in (laughs) theatre. Right. And um, about the time I was feeling disillusioned, I was the marketing officer at the Everyman Theatre in Liverpool. And part of my job promoting theatre was giving talks about it. Mm -hmm. So I gave a talk to a group of women. And afterwards, one of them came up to me, and she said, young lady, you could sell a fridge to an Eskimo <laughs> and I thought that is the universe telling me something yeah. time to sell out to the establishment and go into advertising and so I did and, th- and th- that was really how my advertising career started
0: that was, that was your your aha moment, I'm leaving theater and now going yeah, into I, sales in a, in a, in a sense, well, right? Well,
2: well, well, actually, my skills in theater marketing translated very effectively, because advertising is a very theatrical business. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and you do a lot of presenting and speaking and communicating. Mm-hmm. And so um, I found that going from marketing theater to marketing everything else was actually a very seamless transition. Mm-hmm. Um, but it paid a damn sight better. <laughs> <laughs> and that's important, Ooh. right? As we were just talking
0: before right we we need to be making more money we need to be asking for what we're worth all of what we hear but we actually have to be doing it and that That woman that kind of asked Mm. that question and told you that was really insightful saying what is she doing here
2: absolutely because you know I say to every woman I want you and every one of us to make an absolute goddamn fucking shit ton of money. Yes. And I say it like that because that is how much money I want each of us to make because when we make that much money... We can fund other women. Absolutely. We can support other women. We can help other women. We can donate to other women. We need to build our own financial ecosystem because the white male one is not working for us.
0: Well, and I think that's absolutely right. And we can demand more. Why? Mm-hmm. Right? We can demand more share of the power as well. And the seats at the table become that 50-50 mm. and hopefully yep. more in our favor. And, and oh, by the way, if you have money, if you have success and you have power, you automatically start to turn the tables. Absolutely. And this idea of diversity sort of starts to go away and it becomes the norm, mm-hmm. right? But we need all of that in order to make progress. Mm. So, you, so you spend all of this time in advertising And tell us what you're doing now, because it's, again, pretty incredible. And I love the passion that you have behind it.
2: Well, everything in my life and career has happened by accident. I've never consciously planned anything. And so my startup, Make Love Not Porn, is a complete and total accident. It came out of my direct personal experience dating younger men and realizing (laughs) 11 or 12 years ago, that I was encountering what happens when today's total freedom of access to porn online meets our society's equally total reluctance to talk openly and honestly about sex. When those two things converge, porn becomes sex education by default in not a good way. And so realizing this, 10 years ago, I went, I wanna do something about this. And so as a public service, I put up a website at Mm makelovenotporn.com that in its original incarnation was just words. Porn world versus real world. Right. Launched at TED in 2009, became the only TED speaker to say the words, come on my face, on the TED stage, six times. <laughs> First and only. The, the, talk, the talk went First viral, instantly as a result. <laughs> and it drove this extraordinary global response to my tiny site I'd never anticipated. And I realized I'd uncovered a huge global social issue. Mm-hmm. And so I turned to Make Love Not Porn into a business, because I believe the future of business is doing good and making money simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And so um, basically, Make Love Not Porn is not anti porn because the issue isn't porn. Right. The issue is that we don't talk about sex in the real world. And so Make Love Not Porn today is the world's first and only entirely user generated, human curated social sex video sharing platform. We are what Facebook would be if Facebook allowed you to socially, sexually self express because we are socializing sex normalizing in it. a healthy way exactly mm-hmm. making it easier for everyone in the world to talk about in order to promote consent communication good sexual values and good sexual behavior we call ourselves the social sex revolution the revolutionary part is not the sex it's the social and how you had this massive response you drive
0: all of these people to your website and then what now what's the evolution of the company outside of how do you we hear so much about privacy, and what's online, and the danger,
2: and how do you regulate? How is that being regulated? Uh, So so here's the interesting thing, because the young white male founders of the giant tech platforms that dominate our lives today are not the primary targets of harassment, abuse, Mm. sexual assault, violence, rape. Therefore, they don't design for it. Right. Those of us at risk every single day, women, people of color, LGBTQ, the disabled, we design safe experiences. I and my team spent literally years concepting and designing Make Love Not Porn before we ever built it because we knew If we're going to invite people to do something they've never done before, socially share their real-world sex, we had to think through every ramification to create a completely safe and trustworthy space. And so we operate unlike anybody else in the adult sphere, and quite frankly, unlike anybody else on the internet, period. It is not possible to even complete submitting a video, let alone ever have it published, if it's not fully consensual, legal, everyone's over 18, we require two forms of visual ID for every participant. We do something nobody else does, human curation. Right. I designed Make Love Not Porn around that from the get-go in the same way that Facebook and YouTube should have designed themselves. Wow. Our curators watch every single video submitted from beginning to end. We do it, we do that just to make sure it's real, by the way. Right. But, but, but we see everything in a video. We don't publish it unless it is real-world sex. When you submit your video and we approve it, we begin building a relationship with you personally as the contributor or Make Love Lock Porn Star, as we like to call you. You know, we will communicate with you with both halves of the couple. We will talk to you on the phone, Skype, email, text, you know, with your preferred method of communication. If you're at all worried about your employer, your college, <laughs> it's fine to be anonymous. Yes. You can wear masks, spaces, and shadow. Your video is only viewable by our members and only by the ones who've paid to rent it on our platform. And we operate a rent-and-stream model, not a download-and-own, because our commitment uh. to you is the moment anything changes. Relationship, life, circumstances, even just your mind. You tell us, we take the videos it. down, they're gone forever, they're nowhere else on the Internet. No one else does that.
0: That's incredible. And also proactive versus reactive, which is what is happening with all of these other sites around privacy information
2: and what it was designed for versus what it's doing. Exactly. Way back when we first launched, a journalist interviewed me, and they said to me, because by the way, I fight an enormous battle every day to build this business. I'm sure. You know, when you have a sex-related venture, it's a nightmare in a way that nothing else is. And so this journalist said to me, do you think you would face... This many obstacles, raising funding, you know, et cetera, if you were a man. And I said a man would never have had this idea. Mm -hmm. No way. A man would never have come up with MakeLove.Porn. No.
0: No, exactly. Do those words exist? No. And no offense to the readers or the listeners, but um, no, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's taking a a totally different perspective on an old idea Mm -hmm. that hasn't been changed in many, many years and bringing positivity as well around it, right? I mean, you take a look at, I mean, I, I recently watched, was able to watch a movie, um, This Changes Everything, that's done by the mm-hmm. Gina Davis Institute on Media and Gender, Gender and Media. And you don't realize how much in film, in any type of film and TV, how objectified women are. And part of this is taking power back into the individual, particularly the women.
2: And also, very importantly, what we're doing could not be more topical because the era of Me Too has surfaced, quite rightly, a huge discussion about consent. Yes. Everybody is talking about consent. Everybody is writing about consent. Here's the problem. Nobody knows what consent actually looks like in bed. Right. The only way you educate people about what is great consensual communicative sex good sexual values and good sexual behavior is by watching people actually having that kind of sex and make love not porn is the only place on the internet you can do that every one of our videos is an object lesson in consent and communication we are literally education through demonstration Mm -hmm. which again is just a totally new
0: concept and i would think and again being a novice in that Especially this younger generation, they're yearning and thirsting for education. They're wanting explanation around everything. And this gives them that as well in making it healthy and, in, again, in a positive way. Oh, so positive on um, sex and then positive alcohol. Right. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: Absolutely. We can mix the two. two, of two. <laughs> <over things. laughs> I mean the two together. <laughs> right, and <Yeah>. exactly.
0: Um, <laughs> and add consent. Yes. Um, but so Nicola, yeah. talk a little bit, and I will say to to the to the listeners, Nicola and I again met, met, met over uh, Pomp and Whimsy Gin, which was amazing, um, and we're proud to call Nicola a Luminary member. And we've actually had at many of our events pop and whimsy cocktails and they're just tremendous but that's not the reason we wanted Nicola and Cindy on they're they're doing one of our luminous speaker series this evening but Nicola is a phenomenal founder and CEO of this brand that is heavily male-dominated the spirits industry in general or liquor and spirits Mm -hmm. in general so tell us a little bit about your story
1: yeah um so I'm a sociologist by training, so I came away from Somerville and went into a PhD um, in sociology. And then I've spent the last 20 years of my career in consumer insights, basically. So, similar kind of space to where... I mean, we have some weird kind of parallels, actually, Uh in where Uh we come from, but... um, Uh, I sort of focus more on just understanding people and using that as a way for brands to create new identities and create new brands and so on. And I've always specialized in advocating for the female consumer, um, first of all. And then secondly, I've done, I I was doing a lot of work in the area of liquor Mm -hmm. and I was comparing the way women are treated as consumers in that industry, the way they're represented as consumers, the way people uh, who are running the brands talk about women as consumers, and then just looking at the branding and marketing landscape of spirits. And I've never seen anything that is so um, Mm one-sided, right? So I always ask people this question, how many spirit brands can you name that are actively targeted towards women? And even people in the industry can really only ever name one and that skinny girl right right but then if you just reverse the question and you say how many brands can you name that are actively targeted towards men or even named after men then it's easy oh jack daniels jim beam like johnny walker like we can all name those brands right. and we can all go into a bar and look at the back bar and ask ourselves which of these here are really for me and the question is when you ask yourself as a woman there might be things I drink, there might be packaging that I like, but if I actually look at what's here and I ask myself, did they create this with me in mind? Um, the answer is that there are none. And it's a little bit like walking into the luminary space. And, and Cindy and I were talking about this when we first arrived, which is, it is obvious that this space was created by women with women in mind.
0: Absolutely. Right.
1: So as a woman, you instantly know you are at home here and that it is for you. And that doesn't mean that it is exclusive of men. Mm -hmm. It just means that it puts your needs and interests first. Um, And so that's really what I wanted to do with spirits. Um, And what's really interesting about the history of gin, um, and it's funny because it's actually similar sort of time as to when Somerville was, you know, so we go back to the 1800s and that time where it was very difficult for for women to, to run businesses, you know, let alone, make money or pass on businesses Mm -hmm. and things like that. And Jin, at this time, was colloquially known as Mother Jin or Madame Jennifer. And there's there's a reason for this, right? There's something about the the spirit that is alluring and it Mm -hmm. has... A sting in its tail. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously, at the time, it was tremendously popular with women as well. So somewhere along the line, we've been written out of that history, just as we've been written out of the history of so many things.
0: Sex included. Right. right? Categorically, absolutely.
1: Um, And the goal with Pomp and Whimsy is to put the mother back into Mother Gin.
0: And so... As you're talking and I'm thinking about some of Cindy's um, comments as well, there's a lot of similarities, right, mm, around yes. these two industries, mm. right, mm. heavily male dominated, owned by males, mm. marketed, targeted mm. to males, and have forgotten completely. And I loved how you just said it, the treatment of the female consumer, because at the end of the day, we're all
2: consumers in some way. Right. We consume oh. everything, yep. mm-hmm. um, right? Just on that point, yeah. I'll in, but no, sure. Um, so journalists will call me up, okay? And um, they want to interview me about porn, and so they'll ask me something like, "So, Cindy, do you feel that porn objectifies women?" And I will say that I think that any industry dominated by men at the top inevitably produces output that is objectifying, objectionable and offensive to women, and I will then point them to the commercial advertising breaks in the Super Bowl. Mm. Because my industry advertising is male-dominated, and so we, despite the fact that we are the primary purchasers of everything, Mm -hmm. are constantly paid back to ourselves through the male gaze. What we're talking about is true of every single industry. Every industry.
0: It's also one of the reasons why, why, you know, when people ask me, oh, do you target here at Luminary just entrepreneurs? I said, no, we, we, we want women of all mm. industries, all backgrounds, right. because mm. good things happen when mm. we bring women and male allies together, women. but we shouldn't be bucketing women so much. And that's what mm. happens, right? We just, we're, everyone puts us in our little box, yeah. and that's where our expectation is, that's where you stay. And I mm. think that's something that... Obviously, Make Love Not Porn is doing, yeah. Pop and Whimsy clearly is doing as well. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think that again, and so you've got these two, two sort of male dominated industries. You've met at a, a, a college sort of alumni thing, and now you're working together.
2: Yeah, it's yeah.
0: fantastic. And what does that mean when I say working together for the two of you?
2: Well, so, you know, as I say, you know, Nicola and I really bonded mm-hmm. um, when we met at our Somerville mm-hmm. alumni event. I was blown away by what she was doing. And you know, I felt particularly strongly because um, both—you know—I'm an alcohol consumer, and, and so you know, I'm a whiskey drinker. Mm-hmm. And the world of whiskey absolutely does not acknowledge women as being in any way important mm-hmm. to it at all. But also, um, my advertising background means that I have worked on a ton of alcohol brands. And in fact, um, I ran our Diageo business um, here in the U.S. Um, at BBH New York, which I started right. twenty-one years ago. And, um, and so I worked on Johnny Walker and a host of other brands. And so I saw firsthand for myself how extraordinary male dominant and sexist mm-hmm. the old world order liquor industry was. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, to one of the things I say all the time is that there is a huge amount of money to be made out of taking women seriously. Yeah. And this was an industry where I knew, that there is a ton of money to be made out of taking us seriously absolutely. when it comes to designing for the female palette right. through the female lens and making us feel that we are first and foremost the audience this brand wants and so all of that combined with the fact that it's absolutely bloody delicious um, <laughs> yes. meant that when, when Nicola you know asked me if I would become um, a member of her advisory board I jumped mm-hmm. at the chance So advisory board member, and and how does that work
0: with you, Nicola? Because again, you and I had this conversation, but it's great, I think, for people that don't understand, what does that actually mean?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, it means that we have someone with Cindy's expertise and stature a phone call away to, to, to help us on anything strategic, whether it's related to, as, as Cindy says, the marketing and the advertising and the growth of the brand and the, the future strategy of the brand. Um, she's also been enormously helpful in the fundraising. Um, and honestly, there's just there's a part of it that is if if nothing else, is just the sheer inspiration. I remember at that Um, the alumni event at your apartment, um, when you first tried Pomp and Whimsy and when we were having a discussion about the mission, and I remember a conversation with you where I, I said to you, well, you know, we've actually been a little bit afraid sometimes to come out really strongly and say that we're for women right, in this space. Absolutely. Because we get pushback from people who are like, you shouldn't be gendering spirits, right? To which my response is, well, what do you think they are now? Yeah, exactly. I, Completely and yes. I said to Fuck it, that shit. This is ex- those three <laughs> words... <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah. And so now I can't tell you how often I have moments where I'm like, what would Cindy say? I know exactly what she would say. And it just—it it's important to have someone like that who helps you stay on track because it's hard enough as a founder when you have so many... Distractions and people telling you what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And you really have to be able to stay on a track and say, no, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And especially when you're in an industry where a lot of the, the, the people between me and what I'm creating and my end consumer are men, getting fighting through that and being able to think, look, at the end of the day, no offense, I don't really care about you. I mm. care about her. And I right. created mm. it for her. And so, being able to stick to that vision and have someone, who, you know, with the strength of character to be able to say, "Fuck that shit," right? Yeah, um, I think it's
0: really interesting because some of the things we keep hearing is we we want, um, we love that you're in my corner or I'm in her corner, and it's so much more than that, right? right? It's much yeah. more than, "Yep, I'm here to support you." It's Yes, I'm here to support you. Now, what can we do together? And how can I make connections? And how can I call people on your behalf? And how can I get you investors? Because you are raising. Yes. Correct? Exactly.
1: Yeah. We yes, well, we yes. need investors
0: for yes. Whimsy. Yes, for PompeoWimsy dot com. Yes. <laughs> we also need investors <laughs> to make for,
1: love for make love. Love. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, these and are I think yeah. really hard industries for people to mm. wrap their heads around, let alone invest in. And I mean we, we don't get nearly amount of pushback that Cindy, you know, in the field that you're in gets, mm. but certainly we do get people who don't understand liquor or, you know, don't don't feel comfortable investing in liquor and then and then think that what we're doing is niche. You know? Well,
0: it's so interesting because I, you know, I love. And if you don't follow Nicola on LinkedIn, you should because it's her. She has a phenomenal platform on LinkedIn, and she posts a lot of great content. Mm-hmm. And what I keep seeing, mm-hmm. uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, is all of these brands. I would call them boutique brands mm-hmm. that are geared towards wo- towards women mm-hmm. that are created by men mm-hmm. and then are getting right. bought by the big liquor right. companies correct yes. that's why i'm yes. seeing this and and i would never have thought about that until right. i met you yeah. right because yeah. you you're you're raising it just like you're doing Cindy with with porn and sex you're bringing it to a different level right. and you're making people understand but by the way this is not an us versus them right but this is reality we need to treat female consumers differently mm-hmm. And by the way, we should be making some of those products right. and making the money for mm-hmm. those products. Absolutely. Yes. yes. It's something I say here every day. You know, yes. we have to ask for business. You have right. to be very vocal. We were just having this conversation. Mm-hmm. We no longer can sit by the wayside. And I think these bigger brands need to wake up. Right. Right. It's why DTC mm-hmm. now is becoming so popular right. too. Mm-hmm. Um but let's you know, we as you mentioned, it is not about you know um us against them it 's mm-hmm. not we 're not trying to alienate no yeah. one 's trying to alienate, but we are trying to get a rightful place right so, how do you bring men into this conversation mm-hmm. for both of you in a positive mm-hmm. way because as as a creator as a former banker in a male dominated world, I felt that, but as yeah. a creator of a woman 's space mm-hmm. to help advance women in the workplace. I get that pushback, but we are very, very vocal about welcoming our male allies and working with them, but still creating a space of our own.
1: Yeah. Well, I always say that we are no more exclusive um, to men or of men, let's say, than Jack Daniels would say they are of women. So as long as I feel comfortable ordering a Jack Daniels, then a man should feel comfortable ordering a Pomp and Whimsy. And I've been in situations where We've had an event, and it's been a mixed company event. I mean, we obviously spend a lot of time marketing to women, so around women, and it always surprises me when I do events that are mixed company or with men, how much they love the product and how much they're actually really interested in the story. Um, But I've definitely had situations where men have come up to me and said, well, I actually really love Pomp and Whimsy, um, but I didn't realize that it was, like, for women, (laughs) and does that mean that I can't drink it anymore? You know, and and my response to them, or they say, "Have you ever thought about marketing it towards men?" And I'm like, no. "You're marketing it in yeah, general, yeah, 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 yeah. As far as I'm feel concerned, feel free to drink it. <laughs> exactly, yeah, that's yeah. your issue. It's a quality no, product, yeah, 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 right? If yeah. you like it, yeah, buy it. Exactly.
2: Yeah. And if you're if you're in any way concerned, get your wife to buy it for you. <laughs> like, right? and, and actually, that reflects. So I designed Make Love Not Porn to appeal equally to, to women and to men. I mean, Make Love Not Porn is utterly gender equal. Mm. Because I wish society understood the opposite of what it thinks is true. Mm-hmm. Women enjoy sex just as much as men, mm-hmm. and men are just as romantic as women. Absolutely. and neither gender mm-hmm. is allowed to openly celebrate that fact. Right, yeah. and so we have, you know, an equal um, yeah. audience of, of men and women for, for Make Love, of Porn, and we probably get more emails from men than women telling us how much they love our platform wow. and how it's changed their lives.
0: Again, that, that's transformational, right? Right. In that industry, especially, and that men are actually coming out and saying mm-hmm. that, right? Versus the mm-hmm. what again? What you see in the movies, what you right. read, what you see on online in other areas, yeah. um, you know, it's interesting because the, the again, I am not, I was not a gin drinker. And you would think after living in London so long, I would have. But I really, I, it was just not the spirit that I drink. I'm also not a wine drinker. Mm-hmm. So I'm not the traditional female that mm-hmm. everyone targets as a wine drinker. I, I love champagne. I love vodka. But when I had the Papa, when I had Papa Whimsy, and again, straight, it was, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know. put it. I, it was mm-hmm. just delicious. It's straight, yeah. I then, she left the bottle at Luminary when we, when she first came. And I had my boyfriend try it. Who's a vodka drinker, mm. and he loves it. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. And, yeah, that's well, to love. There, yeah. it, that's exactly mm-hmm. it, and I yeah. think we
0: have to be very vocal in saying it's okay to love things that right. aren't you know, yeah. in that box of who mm. we're targeted at, yeah. right? Yeah.
1: Well, the truth is that on average, I mean, it's, it's a little bit like Cindy's describing in um, the, the <clears throat> who enjoys participating and watching sex. It's the same with spirits. There's this perception culturally that men understand and like spirits, and women don't. But the data doesn't bear that out. About one in five drinkers, whether they're men or women, say they prefer spirits over other liquors. It's the same number of people. Right. Um, But what's also what's interesting about women is that biologically we tend to, on average, have more sophisticated palates. We can taste more things. Mm -hmm. Right. So it makes sense that if we should be the ones creating the liquids... Right, because we mm. have the ability to create much more complex, sophisticated profiles that you can either enjoy um, the the complexity of, or you can just enjoy it for what it is. Exactly. And that's what I love about what we've created with Pomp & Windy, is that it actually does have an incredibly complex flavor profile, but it's also just freaking delicious. Yes. And sometimes that's all something should be. It yeah. should just be enjoyable yeah. for what it is. Um, and we shouldn't have to question it just
0: like sex yes exactly right. <laughs> i mean exactly. honestly yes. it's just yeah. the similarity yeah. so absolutely um i do want to get to a couple of other questions but before i go to sort of the final two i did want to talk about what's next so you you i would love to hear Cindy so for everyone listening it's make love not porn.com go to it but what's next for what you're doing and and the business and for you
2: Well, um, raising funding, I need money, and, and I'm very straightforward about that because my biggest obstacle, raising funding, is the social dynamic that I call fear of what other people will think. Mm-hmm. Because it is never about what the person I'm talking to thinks. When you understand what we're doing at McDonald's and why we're doing it, nobody can argue with it. The business case is clear. It is always their fear of what they think other people think, which operates around sex on like another kind of area. Right. And so it's particularly challenging finding my kind of investors because I know they're out there. Right. But um, no, um, nobody, you know, um, nobody is saying bring me sex tech investments. Right, right. <laughs> and, and sex is the one area where you cannot tell from the outside what anybody thinks on the inside mm-hmm. the people you think would get it don't the right. people you thought were prudes do right you know? and so i have to put what i'm doing out there all the time because i have to rely on those synaptic connections being made that will draw them to me and so i i cannot scale make love not porn without funding unfortunately every piece of business infrastructure Any other tech startup would just take for granted, we can't, the small print always says no adult content. Right. Mm. And we need the funds and the resources to overcome that. Mm. So um, raising funding to scale Make Love Not Porn, to change the world through sex. And if someone wants to get in touch, what's the best way? It's very easy. Cindy C
0: I N D Y at make dot com. I love it. She's giving out her full email address mm-hmm. now. Um, makes make those positive emails, but absolutely. yeah, absolutely yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Nicola, you're raising.
1: Absolutely, yeah. After you call Cindy, call me because. <laughs>
2: Yes, Yes. Yeah.
0: And, and you can always find Nicola here at Luminary, too, or find her through me. Yes. Uh, I'm one of the, her biggest fans are around the business, and I, I think it's just incredible what the, the two of you are doing, both independently and together, because you're now working together. But um, one of the things we always sort of end with are, are two questions. How are you, and I think you've explained it, but I'll ask it. How are you inviting other women to the table, mm-hmm. right, given are the name of our podcast, Come Sit at Our Table. That's also Luminaries hashtag. But how are you inviting other women to the table?
1: Well, I think I'm inviting them to the bar. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm on a, I am on ai am on a mission to diversify the back bar, right? So it's not just about Pomp and Whimsy. It's about other women makers. And we haven't talked about the Women's Cocktail Same. Collective, but that's another program that I launched, which is bringing together other Um, Female spirits founders and creating a platform with a simple mission, which is to diversify the back bar. So there's one thing that everybody can do is ask their bartender, "What do you have that's women-made? Could you make me a women-made cocktail?" And it it shouldn't be one thing on the menu. Right now, it's zero things on the menu. Right, shouldn't be one. It should be half them. It's a bit like the Supreme Court. Why stop at one? Right? Mm. Why not everything on the menu?
0: Absolutely, Um, and I think that's really important because. you have raised the Women's Cocktail Collective to me, and now we're working with mm-hmm. six, I think, thus far yeah. of those Ooh, women-owned terrific. spirits companies Fantastic. here at Luminary. Mm-hmm. And when we eventually get this rooftop bar uh, lounge open for members up uh, on our fifth floor, which will be open all year round, what we want to do is put in all the normal spirits and every, that everyone drinks and have a whole section that says women-owned. So it's up to the consumer Fantastic. to make the decision Fantastic. to say, mm-hmm. I see that I like this, but I'm buying from this woman. Right. And so that's the goal, mm-hmm. Nicola knows that, and we've told Excellent. all of them that, that we're doing that. Mm-hmm. So, but then, so Cindy, you're, you're clearly mm-hmm. inviting, and you, you are such an advocate and uh, empowering women, but h- inviting others to the table.
2: Well, so first of all, I should just say that everything I'm doing with Make Love Not Porn is about female empowerment. Yes. Because, because we're so messed up about sex, we've defaulted it to an act, to a thing we do. It's not, it's personality. Who we are sexually absolutely informs everything about how we feel about ourselves, Mm -hmm. other people, our relationships, our lives, our happiness. And when we normalize and are completely at ease with who we are as sexual beings, that is enormously empowering. But I also do a huge amount in my speaking, writing, social media channels. To inspire all women to absolutely seize the opportunities and seize the power and make the money that we all deserve, and you know, I get, I get feedback all the time, very gratifyingly. Well, one of my most well-known pieces of advice is that I tell every woman, you know, um, what do you ask for, you know, pay rise, you know, new job salary for a deal you ask for the highest amount you can say out loud without actually bursting out laughing. <laughs> and every week I hear from women who yeah. say, oh my mm, God, Cindy, worked. I did had it worked. It worked. Mm-hmm. It worked. You know, so, so, so yeah, in, in in really spreading those messages as widely as possible, I'm inviting women to the table. Yeah, because
0: the mm-hmm. worst thing that can happen is they say no. Mm-hmm. And then it's a negotiation. And then it's a negotiation. Yeah, right, it's yeah. like anything. Yeah. You wouldn't take the yeah. first price when you buy a home. Yeah, right. So why would you do that yeah. for yourself? Yeah. Right? right? Exactly. And it goes for everything that you're doing. So I love that. And then lastly... Who is your luminary?
1: Yeah, so I ever since you kind of sent us this question, I was like, thinking, you know, about what what I would say here, and I think that there's always kind of the obvious people who provide the day to day support in your life, right? Whether it is, uh, you know, my partner or my um, parents or what have you. But given where we are in the context of of the conversation. Um, My business partner, who is my business partner in my previous business and now in Pomp and Whimsy, is someone... Her name is Nori, Nori De La Cruz. And um, I I think that it's obviously your marriage is an important relationship that is at the center of your life. But there are work marriages that you have as well. And I would literally not be where I am today. Pomp and Whimsy would not exist, my other business. If I didn't have someone who has my back... Um, And so we we have a relationship that is similar to a marriage. Right. So it's like sometimes it's about promoting her interests and what she needs to be doing next. And I'm the steady one. Right. right? And more often than not, it's me with the harebrained ideas and she's (laughs) the one who's keeping it steady. Right. Um, And I, I literally would not be doing what I was doing if I if we didn't have that relationship, which goes back 10 years now
0: that's great that's great 'm a I'm very impressive woman too yes right?
2: hugely yeah. yeah Cindy I think my luminary is anybody and everybody who every single day stands up for and fights for what they believe in to change the world to be the world we all want to live in
0: I don't know how you can follow that that's no. unbelievable <laughs> I think most people th- again you think of a person I think that's right. absolutely and I think it's especially needed today yeah. we are at a time in the world where mm-hmm. that is absolutely what we need so Cindy Gallup, make love, not porn. dot com, raising money. Send her an email, <laughs> yep, Cindy absolutely. at makelovenotporn.com. dot com. Yep. Doctor Nicola Nice, pomp and whimsy, pompandwhimsy. dot com. Thank you both so much, mm-hmm. and Thank we're looking forward happy. to seeing uh, the yeah. further success of both companies. Absolutely. Thank you for
1: having
0: us. Thank yeah. you. Let's get a drink. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yep,
1: precisely.